Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Engadget Podcast. I'm Senior Editor Devendra Hardwar. I'm Deputy Editor Sherlyn Lowe. This week, we're updating you all on what's going on with the Microsoft uh, Activision Blizzard acquisition. There's been a lot of movement this week, uh, as that deal uh, will likely close by next week. So we'll dive into all that with a special guest. We'll also be talking about the Apple OS betas, uh, the public betas, all launched this week, so anybody can test them. And Sherlyn and I have a lot of thoughts on where all that stuff is headed. As always, folks, if you're enjoying the show, please subscribe to us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. Leave us a review on iTunes. Drop us an email at podcastandgadget.com. And again, we are not doing live streams for the time being, but we'd love to start doing those again on Thursday morning. So if you have enjoyed the live streams, uh, if you were one of those audience members, send us an email. Tell us how much you liked it, because I think that would help. Joining us to talk about the Microsoft Activision acquisition is Jordan Miner from PC Mag. Hey, Jordan, how's it going? Hey, what's up? Thanks for having me on. Nothing. Uh, you know, a lot is up. We've got a lot of news, <laughs> uh, but glad to have you on. Also, also, Jordan, you just wrote a book, right? A video Game of the Year? Yes, I did. Yep. You did. So we will be talking about that, but let's talk about this news uh, up first. So I'm just going to sketch out what happened here. So uh, recently, the FTC filed an injunction to stop this deal, the Microsoft uh, Activision deal, before its attempted close date. Uh, I believe the FTC was worried the deal would be finalized before they had actual time to kind of review this merger. And uh, they had initially sued to stop this whole thing before, too. But that process, that trial, would have taken months to happen. And the deal just could have kept going. Uh, So the courts have uh, basically decided against the FTC, saying that they didn't prove that this deal would be harmful enough to the industry and that it's free to move forward. Microsoft was very happy about that. Uh, Then UK regulators, uh, the CMA, said that they would be open to talking to Microsoft about this. Uh, If you'll remember a couple months ago, they also announced that they would be uh, basically pushing against the deal because they thought Microsoft, uh, it would give them too much of an advantage in cloud gaming. Um, Meanwhile, European regulators approved the deal just fine. So it's been all over the place. It seems clearer now than ever. Jordan, you've been following this. You cover games over at PC Mag. Can you sketch out like what do you what did you think like as you saw this injunction uh, attempt fail? It's not surprising to me that mm-hmm. it's ultimately going to happen. Um, they put so much so much into this. They're so committed to making this happen. There's so much money on the line uh, for everybody involved. Um, I'm just happy to see that it at least went through this process. That it at least got really scrutinized. And it's very interesting as someone who follows gaming news to see all these executives and higher up people that we're very used to seeing in like 
a marketing context of just being like, we've got the best lineup. We've got the greatest games having to get on on being a courtroom setting and just tell the actual very sober truth of we are losing. We don't <laughs> we <laughs> we are actually huge losers. Yeah, I'm a loser, baby. Why yeah. don't you kill me? Yeah. Uh, that's basically what Microsoft was doing um, quite a bit, too, because they basically painted themselves as sort of like, hey, we're losing the console market, right? Sony is the market leader here, and Nintendo has a big piece of the pie. We are the smallest console manufacturer. We're so small. Um, that is true to an extent, Jordan, but I also felt like some of that was also overplayed, right? This is Microsoft. This is one of the biggest companies in the world. But in this respect, yeah, sure, they're smaller than the competition. Uh, did you think like that? The stuff we've been seeing from behind the scenes, was that actually the truth or was it like these companies just saying what they thought the courts wanted to hear? Oh, yeah. It's still totally disingenuous, but it's yeah, disingenuous yeah. in just a weird opposite land way from normal <laughs> video game kind of um, stuff. But, yeah, they're they're Microsoft. They're they're yeah, they're they're massive. Again, they're going to spend like 70 billion dollars just to be in a position to do that is, yep. is, is you know. Um, it's just totally wild. And uh, the, I, I will. Go yeah, go ahead. I was going to say also, I think there was some quote saying or that came out about how like, oh, we can just outspend Sony. Um, so, yeah, that's a real thing that a small company can say. Uh, yeah, yeah, totally. Like Microsoft basically has unlimited cash reserves. That is their superpower. Their superpower is not apparently spurring developers to actually release games. Right. Because this is nothing new. They've been buying. Um, they've been buying publishers. They've been buying a lot of small studios. Uh, what was it? Uh, most recently, it was Bethesda, uh, which is finally starting to get games out there. Starfield is coming after a lot of delays. But what what do you think this acquisition would solve for Microsoft, Jordan? Because yeah, they have all these studios, they just can't get the games out. Would buying Activision actually help Microsoft right now? Because I think the big problem with Xbox is they just don't have the exclusives, and the few they do have are kind of disappointing, to be honest. Well, with with Activision especially, so many of the, the deals they've had to cut to even get this to go through in the first place is having to be like, we're not going to have Call of Duty exclusive on Xbox. We're going to actually bring it to Switch and, like, uh, you know, uh, commit to having it on PlayStation for another, like, 10 years. Um, and even if they weren't kind of being forced to do that, I think that would still be the smart play anyway, because, like, what would... The, the value of Call of Duty, like any value it could bring from being an ex exclusive, you would, would be like what you would lose from not having it be on PlayStation, I think, would, would, right. would dwarf right. that. Um, so I don't think the, the exclusive stuff is going to come from Activision necessarily. Um, there was a time where I thought that all these acquisitions for like smaller teams, especially, could really help bolster Game Pass. Um and I thought could maybe encourage more sustainable kinds of games. Like, oh, these don't have to be like huge AAA things. We saw earlier this year, um, Hi-Fi Rush, which I liked a lot. It was kind of a smaller game that could be like a cool Game Pass shadow drop. Um, but, you know, beyond that, I feel like we're not even getting like, I mean, Pentiment as well last year. But like, I feel like we're not even getting the the smaller stuff I thought could be a, a, a silver lining to all these acquisitions. We're just getting more vaporware. It's, it's surprising. I mean, I think. Games take a while to develop, right? They take a while to get out there. Um, I also think Microsoft, just as a company, is just bad at some of this stuff, too. Uh, before we go deeper, though, Sherlyn, like, do you have any thoughts about this, just in terms of like a big-ass company like Microsoft trying to gobble up another company? This is one of the biggest tech acquisitions ever, to be honest, Like, if this does end up happening. Do you have any feelings about this, about Microsoft potentially just getting bigger by eating a smaller fish? I'm still thinking of when Microsoft tried to buy TikTok, so yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh, and wondering what that would look like now if Microsoft did buy TikTok. Um, together with Walmart, it was. Um, I don't know. I don't know what it means for the gaming industry because I know there's a lot of like uh, 
what's there's a word for it when all these big companies buy smaller companies my brain is fried enough that i don't remember it's not oligopolization but not monopolization either it's basically monopolization um, like it, it's slow yeah it's, yeah it's a form I, mean, of I think that. it's mm-hmm. not great for consumers in general less competition is less good for consumers as a not heavy gamer i don't really like it doesn't bother me as much obviously uh, I don't see what kind of power maybe that Microsoft would really have if it had. But I mean, I also know that Activision is huge, right? But I also know Activision's been in the news lately for a lot of bad other types of controversial reasons with all the sexism, with all of that stuff going on. Bobby Kotick, um, yeah. Yep. You don't, I don't really know if, you know, Microsoft buying it would help. Uh, at least on that front, I I have plenty of questions around this purchase as like that ha- have very little to do with the size of the company and have very little to do with competition and more about practices of yep. the company at all. So for sure, Jordan, I I kind of agree when you said that it's a good thing this process just even happened. Like even if the FTC didn't get its way ultimately. They did, and the other regulators, by pushing, uh, definitely got Microsoft to be like, hey, 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 we will make all these commitments. You know, 10 years, Call of Duty for Sony, and also Call of Duty for Nintendo, which is not a thing that even exists right now, right? Like, they, they were basically like, yeah, 10 years for Call of Duty for future Nintendo platforms. That's more than we have right now in the gaming world. So they're kind of saying like, yeah, this this will benefit gamers by bringing this game to more uh, more players. So I guess like this whole process still helped right? This pushback certainly helped. Sherlyn, I see you raising your hand. What's up? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, you brought up a point, Jordan, that like the EU or at least the European regulators had less of an issue with it. I'm very curious why, because they tend to be stricter than American people. Do, you, do they think that maybe Activision has less of an impact in those regions and that therefore the competition would be less of an issue? I feel like across this whole thing, a lot of these uh, agencies have really displayed their like just ignorance of gaming, like, showing their butts. Yes. Yeah, because yeah. in, in you know in, in in America there was this whole argument about whether or not like where Nintendo fits into the marketplace does it even count, which is a weird thing to argue, I think. And then yeah, and in, in, in Europe, I think they're really more hung up on like the cloud gaming thing and really mm. thinking that that's going to be like the really dominant future. Which is is possible, but I think if you're really into gaming, you could be very skeptical of that, uh, as as I am. Um, So I think a lot of them just don't really know. Do you think, uh, basically by the FTC losing this fight, Jordan, that the UK regulators were just like, hey, hey, let's just just go with this? Because they can't, there's no future where, um, you know, this acquisition is banned in the UK, but it's happening in the rest of the world, right? Like, what would that mean? That would mean Microsoft can't sell games there? Like, if... It would be very complicated, and that's also something I don't think they'd want to deal with, right? Yeah, I think that it's just all going to happen. Um, they'll they'll give them free copies of Fable to, to to mend the UK divide, and we'll all all the Fable unlimited Fable for the UK. Everything is solved. I think that's that's <laughs> all they need. Um, you were also talking about Trillin, like what what would this mean for Activision, right? Um, as a company, they are kind of in the rough spot. Like CEO Bobby Kotick has been criticized quite a bit for his behavior and his sexism and for the culture he's kind of supported there. Um, he would probably, I don't, I don't know if we have the actual info, but he would probably be out pretty quickly uh, if this acquisition goes through. Jordan, from your perspective, do you think this is a good thing for Activision? Because I do feel like they've just been the Call of Duty company lately. Like they, they everything has been Call of Duty for them and they really haven't had room to do anything else. Uh, yeah, I think that that's kind of a silver lining. Um, yeah, I mean, he would get a gigantic golden parachute, but him leaving would be good. 
Um, this could be more lip service, but I think Microsoft has at least said that they won't interfere with like unionization efforts. Um, that I know, you know, that have been happening at, at Activision and, um, and, and Bethesda at Zenimax, I think is Bethesda's parent company. Um, so, you know, that's again, the corporation can say what they can say what they want, but then at the actual bargaining table, things change. But just, uh, just kind of putting that message out there, I think is good. Gotcha. I want to read some quotes here uh, from Judge Jacqueline Scott Corley. And I think it's really it's worth considering and thinking about, like in terms of why the FTC injunction failed. And what an injunction means, by the way, is that just the deal couldn't couldn't legally go through. And they were trying to stop this before next week, because I believe July 18th was a cutoff date they had initially stated. And if the deal isn't done by that point, Microsoft owes Activision like a billion dollars and they also have to go back and rework the whole thing. So that would have been a huge mess. Uh, but Judge Jacqueline Scott Corley says, this court's responsibility in this case is narrow. It is to decide if, notwithstanding these current circumstances, the merger should be halted, perhaps even terminated, pending resolution of an FTC administrative action. For the reasons explained, the court finds the FTC has not shown a likelihood it will prevail on its claim that this particular vertical merger in this specific industry may substantially lessen competition. So that basically, they think the court has not proven the case just yet um there are there is like a larger court battle that's going to be happening jordan right like the ftc is not done yet they also announced that they will appeal this decision uh but that likely won't happen before july 18th so what likely will happen it seems is that this merger will go through and the ftc will just keep fighting and pushing microsoft but it is much harder to deal with the situation once the acquisition is completed right i think they were just working really hard to stop that Am I right there? I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just good that they're not giving up, even if they kind of can see the outcome. Again, like just make it make it hard for them. Make it hard for these companies to do this, I think, is, is their responsibility. I think that's fair. Um, I mean, we've been talking about this, guys, and I have said, like, I'm not really for this decision because Microsoft is just too damn big. I think ultimately it is it is not a good thing for any industry for these companies to get bigger and bigger and just so powerful. Um, they'll say good things now. We have no idea what this means, you know, actually five or ten years from now. Um, so there's that, but it's going to happen. Clearly there was, uh, there was a lot of like pushback and Microsoft had to like respond somehow. Um, it'll be interesting to see where this all goes. Like what, what is next, Jordan? You think it's just going to go through next week and we're going to start to talk about this combined company, I guess. I guess. Uh, I mean, I, I agree with you. I also don't like this. I don't like the consolidation. Um, I, and also, I mean, it's not even the most important thing, but also to see it get spun in weird, petty gamer console war terms has oh, been God. completely brain breaking for me. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, where else, who else could they buy also? So, I mean, <laughs> well, what were the rumors? The rumors were Sega for yeah. a long time, for decades, the rumors was Sega because Microsoft basically helped Sega build the Dreamcast, right? The, the Dreamcast was running an early w version of Windows CE. Um, one, one of the executives, I forget the name. Peter but Moore also, was the, Peter the Moore. continuity. Yeah. Peter Moore is the continuity. He went over to Xbox and then the Xbox 360. And there's all the like conspiracy theories like, look at the Xbox 360. It is a Dreamcast 2.0. Come on. From the logo, from Peter Moore to everything. Um, I feel like Sega would be a fun one. Um, but uh, my question is, I don't know. Do you think Microsoft is in a place right now to actually get games out? Do you think there's like a problem at the top in terms of getting these games out or strategically how they're dealing with the releases? Uh, yes. Um, they have problems unique to themselves for sure. They're also like everyone, I think, impacted by pandemic stuff still. Um, that I think is, is gummed up pipelines for all industries. But yeah, they, there's definitely, yeah, their, their first party, 
the output especially has been like anemic for the halo the halo stuff yeah. has just been like breaking my heart because it was like okay guys the big launch title for the xbox series x and everything sorry delayed a year sorry delayed a year after the launch of these consoles also it launches kind of shit like kind of it needs a lot of work the multiplayer has a lot of issues nobody can level up um it just feels like they keep like stubbing their toes right when they try to do something okay we're all excited for redfall everybody loves redfall everybody loves arcane disaster phil spencer is out there apologizing for the release of redfall um i don't know we're gonna keep an eye on this we're definitely gonna follow all this news uh let's talk about your book jordan video game of the year can you tell us like what is this book what was your inspiration for doing it sure so while the future of video games who who knows where that's going to be this is a look back at the past 45 years of video game history. Um, the whole structure of the book is that each chapter represents one year and is my uh, essay, critical essay I've written on what I think is the most significant game of that year from 1977 until today. Uh, so, you know, in 1980, I picked Pac-Man. In 2011, it's Minecraft. Um, and, you know, it's just me arguing why I think that's the most significant game of that year because it's like the best game or the most influential or... It was indicative of some larger trend or something. Um, and with these sort of individual uh, examinations of games, I'm trying to uh, convey a larger, more comprehensive uh, view of gaming history as a whole. I'm loving the book. I'm making my way through it. I also, for full disclosure, I also did a, I contributed a small blurb here around Chrono Trigger because you don't have to ask me to write about Chrono Trigger and to reminisce about it. So... I, I'm of the opinion, Jordan, that it feels like, especially like younger generations, aren't always aware of what came before, especially when you're inundated so much with what's happening now and what the streamers are playing now. So it's really cool to have a bit of history. Um, I feel like it wasn't Atari 50 kind of, a, it was a, a similar thing to right? That was both kind of a documentary and also a way to play those games and a way to like, you know, reconsider the context of those games too, right? Yeah, that was an excellent compilation. Yeah, the, the work they did, all the interviews and stuff, and just having those games, uh, for sure. Um, but yeah, but for the, for the younger generation, it's, it's almost, it's not their fault in that there's just yeah, no, yeah. It's, it's, it's tough to legally play. Like, I mean, a lot of the picks in the book are very famous, very well-known games, but even to play all of them now would be, like, again, legally would be really difficult, if not impossible. Um, and then, you know, you mentioned that you contributed a blurb. There's more than like 75 uh, guest essays from people from across the industry, from PC Mag and IGN and, and, Ga and Giant Bomb. Um, and, they, and, you know, I like that they contribute a lot more uh, kind of deep cut picks. Um, and but again, to, to play those would be even more difficult. So, you know, I, I you know, hope hopefully people can read about them and at least appreciate them that way. But to actually play them to experience, you know, this interactive medium is a lot a harder than story. Yeah, there's uh, I should bring up the stats. So the Video Game History Foundation uh, just produced a study that found that 80 percent, 87 percent of games released in the U.S. before 2010 are no longer commercially available. Um, so that's that that stinks. That kind of makes sense, given the amount of games that came out on earlier platforms. But it's not only that they're not commercially available. There's just no way, even if you found those games. Right. What do you, do you have to dig up an old system? Right. You have to make sure that hardware works. It feels like games are in a really weird spot compared to movies or books or music or something right yeah i mean because they're so dependent on specific technologies um and again you know that that is a legitimate uh kind of issue that is uh, like not really anyone's fault but again i also still put a lot of blame on corporations that don't view it as an art worth preserving they don't have like there's no like significant kind of library system um they will keep games in vaults and sell them back to you years later they will like just lose the source code because they didn't yeah. care 
So, you know, I'm not letting them off the hook either. They will implement emulators that they spend decades fighting against, too. I'm yep. looking at you, Nintendo. Yeah. Um, yep. Uh, okay. Well, you know what? In Microsoft's favor, I think the one good thing, one of the many good things they've done around games is like they've really pushed backwards compatibility. Uh, that is the thing that still exists in the current Xboxes. You can play some OG Xbox games. That's a cool thing. Um, what would you like to see, Jordan, in terms of like game history and keeping these games alive? Like, would it be just like, I see people saying like maybe you should just like make copies available to researchers and to institutions like the video game history museum. I don't think that actually helps consumers. I don't, I don't know what the solution is here other than I really wish these companies figure out a way to get these games into people's hands. Right. Yeah. I mean, the you know, the, the giving it to museums is great. Um, and again, it's tough because there's not like on like movies, there's no kind of like standardized thing that they could make that could play all games ever. Um, and you wouldn't necessarily want that because that could stifle innovation um, with like control inputs and stuff. Um, but I just wish there was like a, like a public domain for games almost um, or something like that. Even if it takes 75 years for it, for it to get in there, um, at least it's getting in there. I would love to see that, too. Uh, I want to shout out like there there was uh, I think when the Internet Archive got flash support, that was a big deal. And that was a way to like save early web culture. I think there was an update recently too, like their flash players got even better. And they're starting to compile some of the old some of the OGs, like some of the there, old there stuff. Is, yeah. There is something that I recommended. I don't know, yeah. a year ago that is a, like an archive of all the flash games that were on the Internet for, for something. And that's why I go and play over and over again. There's the. <laughs> There's that Flash video called The End of Z-World, remember? End of Z-World, yeah. That's one of the catalogs, uh, the catalog of Flash videos in that in that thing. I can't remember the yeah. name offhand. I Am Late Tired is for forever a mood. I feel like But that's I, just, am I Am Late Tired. I Am Late Tired. It's really awesome to bring up Flash, because in, in one yeah. of the chapters, the Super Meat Boy chapter, is about not just Meat Boy and kind of Xbox Live indie games, but also like how like Meat Boy especially kind of came out of the whole Flash gaming scene um, and Newgrounds. And uh, and Tom Fulp. Yeah, Newgrounds. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah. Tom Fulp, the founder of Newgrounds, uh, contributed an essay to the book as well. Oh, wow. Nice. That's super cool. Nice. All right. So where can people mm -hmm. find your book, Jordan? Yes, the book is Video Game of the Year. Um, it is where books are sold. It's out now. Uh, I know there's a podcast, but the book also has some really incredible artwork uh, throughout from Red McDonald. Yeah. Uh, so, so check that out. Uh, but yeah, it's out now. Every, yeah, Amazon, whatever. Buy it wherever. I would also say uh, I love seeing books at indie bookstores. So if you have one in your neighborhood and you walk by and you want to, you want them to be there in the future, maybe occasionally buy a book there. This would be a good book to pick up there. Jordan, where can we find your work on the internet these days? Well, on the internet, you can find it on PCMag.com. That's where I work. Uh, but now you can also find it in a physical object <laughs> that I'm very happy about as well. All right. Thank you so much for joining us. All right, let's talk about those Apple betas. Uh, mm -hmm. Sherlyn, you and mm -hmm. I, and also Nate. And Matt. And Matt, yeah. We've all been testing all these new releases. Um, iOS, iPadOS, macOS, watchOS too, right? Mm -hmm. There was a preview yes. of that. Yes, um, All these things are happening. Uh, you are, as I'll say every time, you're the mobile <laughs> goddess at Engadget. So what is... <laughs> What is going on with the iOS and iPadOS betas? Because I could talk about macOS. Yeah, um, I mean, I, my, I will be writing out the preview. I mean, I am writing out the preview for watchOS 10, actually. And Matt and I have been testing the iOS 17 beta. Matt will be writing and doing a video on that. It should be up by the time this podcast goes live. Check out the Engadget YouTube channel for really his breakdown. Um, big, big 
thing that me and Matt, I think the first thing we played around with was our contact posters. Right. Um, because there's some things that we can test and some things we can't test. The thing I really wanted to test that we can't test because we're both not next to each other in person is um, name drop and the new airdrop features. Uh, those you would have to have, you know, we were testing them on the developer betas. So we needed to be with people who had developer betas. Everyone was on iOS 17 for those features to work. So no, we couldn't test that. But part of that is creating a contact poster for yourself and making yourself look pretty when people call you. As always with beta testing processes, you kind of like some things are super buggy. Your phone's just going to kind of stop working. So if you've been thinking about getting a beta now that it's dropped, um, uh, back up your data at the very least if you're mm -hmm, considering mm -hmm. it. Uh, but yeah, so so there's a lot of like, oh, the first iteration of the beta didn't, you know, give me the contact poster showing up on phone calls, that sort of thing. But when we finally got around to it, I mean, me and Matt look like superstars now on each other's phones, yeah, right? Because yeah. it looks great. It's beautiful. I love the process of creating them like a lock screen, but it, it looks nice. I will say there's some things I wish it, it did better. It, You know, I want the name to display maybe like, I want more control over where words appear on my poster. Yeah. I want it to cover my face, that mm -hmm. sort of thing. I'm testing but, it too, Sherlyn, and yeah. uh, the contacts poster from what we've seen looks really cool. I want to say, I think it makes um, <clears throat> calls from people who don't have the contact posters a little uglier. <laughs> like, I don't like <laughs> yes. that because it's like a blank screen yeah. and maybe that'll change in the final release. But if you don't have the contact poster, it looks worse than before, yeah. I think. Which yeah, is weird. it looks yeah. sad. It's like kind of like, oh, poor, poor. Another re way Apple bullies people into updating their software. It's like, oh, if you don't use this new thing, you're when you call people, you're just going to look like you are on older software. It's just going to show. If you're Which on is, Android, you're going to look weird. Like, mm, my God. Yeah, thing. I totally yeah. forgot about Android people yeah. calling iPhones. <laughs> it's like they're not friends to me. Um, So that's one thing, right? Another thing in iOS 17 and also in macOS and Devendra, you and I had kind of talked about this a little bit and some changes to FaceTime. It was really interesting at WWDC the way Apple demoed this. So on FaceTime calls now, you have new reactions that you can use. You can do so by long pressing on your face at the bottom right of the screen and then choosing an emoji. So if you choose the balloon emoji, some like cute little celebration thing will show up uh, and animate around you and your face. And the way that FaceTime is able to identify and map out your face and have the animations happen around it is really cool. Um, this does fireworks. This does rain for when you do like a sad face or down like thumbs down emoji. It's pretty funny. But the more impressive part of this to me was during WWDC, like um, Apple demoed how if you make the Korean, I guess Korean, the finger heart emoji or the like two hand heart sign, uh -huh. the shape, right? Yeah, uh -huh. Ben's making it now. If if we were on FaceTime right now, we would trigger all kinds of funny like animations too. I think this is going to get ridiculous because um, it looks very silly. It looks good if you it do does. the double thumbs up. It oh does a sort of so like fireworks funny. behind you, like a DiCaprio and Great Gatsby, that meme. But I can <laughs> yes, also, exactly. I can imagine business calls. I can imagine serious <laughs> phone calls. Like, I'm sorry, this this relationship is not working. Who's out. using FaceTime yeah. for? Yeah, oh, it happens. Not oh, it definitely happens. Yeah, no, yeah. Um, but it would totally so, like mess up the tone of whatever conversation you're having. I know. Yeah. I mean, so I guess what we're all going to learn moving forward is when you're on a FaceTime call on iOS 17 and you're talking about maybe like someone got a bad, you know, medical diagnosis or something, you want to avoid using some gestures in <laughs> your call. You can turn it off. Too. Here's, yeah, you can turn it off. You can turn it off. And yeah. here's the thing. Um, Apple, you know, I think this is the deliberate design of it, which is that you have to hold up the symbol for at least one or two seconds before it would trigger the animation. So it's fairly deliberate. Um, it, me and Matt were like, it, it took us a while to figure out how to work it because it was like not 
automatically, like just not instantly happening. And I kept going, hold it, hold it, hold it there for a while, and then it will show up. So you need to hold your gesture like two seconds, for at least yeah. a couple of seconds. Yeah. But that's fine. It's more like you want to be... It, it, it's good to be deliberate about this because you don't want anything in your scene to trigger this reaction or this animation. So I think that's almost smart on Apple's part. Uh, almost. Um, it, it does seem like as a culture, we are getting to the point where our video chats are getting overly expressive with emojis oh and other God. stuff too like there yeah. was the viral thing going around i don't know if you saw this Roland, but it was like a tiktoker who just exists to like repeat what people are telling her so it's like it's a girl <laughs> in like you know young girl like doing uh, they're just saying yes 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 in the chat uh lick lick she does like slurping noise like very weird things i'm like oh this is this is just the downfall of civilization mm. we're seeing here because it's like a girl basically acting like a puppy and repeating what the oh. what the chat is saying, and that is that is her clout. Like that's how she gets mm. clout on me online. Okay, it's weird. The internet it is, is weird. weird. Um, I will say uh, so. So there, that that's FaceTime, and then there's like other things. Um, messages. I mean, messages benefits also from the poster update. But here's one thing I noticed almost off the bat: that keyboard, the predictive typing, all of that stuff. That improvement is real mm, um okay. i i mean bugs aside when testing the beta software right but like i've always god i freaking hate typing on ios i really hate it it's gotten but worse over the last five years like it's it gotten has worse. yeah but this ios 17 update definitely makes predictive at least for me on swipe typing because i love to use swipe typing on swipe typing is better um i haven't gotten to a point where it seems like it you know when i want to save Ucking instead of ducking. <laughs> uh, I haven't gone to that point yet where it like is able to allow for swear words in uh, predictive or suggested words, but it um it is able to get like I, I again it just feels better, more intuitive overall with the typing. Um, another feature that's coming to messages is if oh my gosh, so, so many features coming to messages. Lots, One yeah. is like the whole rearrangement of where your apps are, right? So you you get more keyboard space, and I think that that helps with just general layout and typing. But then you get um, transcriptions on voice notes built in, and that took a really long time to show up. I think we really had to wait till Dev Beta three, which was the version just before the public beta, and it only really came through for me and Matt yesterday, which was the day it all like the public beta is dropped. So then you're able to start seeing transcriptions in voice notes that you send each other, which is nice, right? Because sometimes your friends just want to talk, but then you don't always have the time to listen. But now you can read it. And actually it was very accurate, I think, the transcription so far. Um, and it, I mean, when I, I don't know. I it's it's one notes. of those things where it's yeah. like, really? I hate voice notes But now for that you're going to like it. Because it's like, yeah, yeah now, now you can just read it. Also what I really like, I'm looking at it here. Um, you... In your recent uh, field in the phone app, you also get like the voicemails like right there in that mm. whole thing without tapping over to voicemail. So it's a lot, a lot more of it just feels streamlined in a way that's really good. Yep. So that's nice. Yep. Yeah. And and the that you the fact you bring up voicemail, another new feature in iOS 17 is uh, call screening. Um, I don't know that I tested this with Matt. I can't remember. We've been testing this for a very long time, um, but. <laughs> Because, I mean, because right after WWDC, Apple was like, hey, do you all want to try to develop our betas? And here's what you to expect. So we've been trying it since dub dub, right? Um, I still think that uh, Apple's treatment of call screening isn't very smart, but uh, you, you have an option of reading people's messages as you're leaving them for you, and then you can decide to pick up or not, which is basically how voice mach voicemail machines used to work in the day, except for you listen to them. Um, but I can see the accessibility benefit here, so that's good. 
Um, a new feature in messages is check in under apps. If you go into apps, you can choose to check in. I thought that was really cool. I wasn't really gone over in depth at WWDC, but something that I, I learned about during my briefing. If you are going to say a date or you're going hiking and your, your, your friends are like, hey, we want to know if you're safe, right? You can send them a check in that will automatically update your friends or your loved ones when you reach a certain geographic location, like home, for example. Rather than saying like, I will text you when you arrive, which is something I still do to friends, like when we hang out. Like, that's let, let that's totally fine, yeah. yeah. And I like to do that to friends. I love hearing that from my friends. The thing is, sometimes you forget. Like yeah. my, yeah, my yeah, thing yeah. is, my yeah. friends are always like, text me when you get home. And I'm like, yeah. yeah. And I get home, the first thing I do is clean and shower. <laughs> and then uh -huh. I forget. Uh -huh. I'm like, I'm not trying to be on my phone the second I step in my door. You know, so it's and true. this it's makes true. it... Nice. I am concerned about some of the potential ways this might fail. Um, if you were, for example, intercepted somehow and someone else has your phone and somehow they know your home address, they can pretend like you weren't, you know, like that you are safe when you're not. But I feel like me, that's me extrapolating a little too far. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of other stuff with iOS 17, I think it's all very intriguing, but uh, overall, I would wait for uh, the full review because it's still beta. Um, but if you want to see those cards, features. you do get the nice those cards. posters. Those posters. Those posters like, are so nice. Oh, they're so, so you, you have months, months ahead of your friends to to like you know set yeah. up your perfect. Poster. That's true. If you want to, yeah, and and you know what the so it's talking about, talking about buggy software, right? Mm -hmm. Like when I was first testing posters, I kept trying to save the image that I had made, the poster that I made, and I couldn't. I kept hitting save, and it just the froze, the screen froze. Then I like quit the app, closed the app, I came back to it. I had it turned out I made twenty five posters of the same. <laughs> pictures so yeah. that was great uh but yeah buggy beta software for sure will create some issues okay but yeah if you want to start thinking about what to make you can you can check it out just again back up your data or maybe like use a separate phone if you have one if you have one um, backing up is always a yeah. good always good to back up back to the cloud back up to your computer if you have a mac Absolutely. nearby you can still back up yeah. the pcs right so that's a that's a thing iPad OS, mm. uh i feel like has pretty much all these things uh very similar yep I'm looking at Nate Ingram's preview here. It seems Me like too. it has a lot of uh, multitasking uh, updates, uh, not like a key big update feature, which is honestly how I feel about macOS as well. Uh, but but a big word for iPad and a big word for Macs is widgets. What are your, what are your mm -hmm, thoughts mm -hmm. on the whole widget experience now uh, across iPadOS? I'm not sure if you've seen it on Mac yet, Sherlyn, but widgets are a bigger deal now. I haven't seen it on iPadOS just yet because I've been focusing so much on iOS and watchOS. Here's the thing. WatchOS also gets widgets now. So it's been actually really interesting to see. I think that the widgets experience is much better and uh, uh, helpful, more helpful than before. I don't know if that tracks with your experience, uh, Dev. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. Um their widgets, I just feel it's one of those things where I'm like, yeah, guys, it's this is not 2007 and Windows freaking Vista. I'm not going to get excited for widgets, you know, like it's OK. I, I get the idea, like little bite sized pieces of software that show you glanceable information. I think for that reason, having widgets on like the iPad lock screen is nice. Yeah. Uh, having widgets on the Mac OS lock screen or not the lock screen, but the desktop. It's kind of nice mm -hmm. too, but it's like, yeah, I'm not gonna get excited for this. Uh, good job. Why didn't you do this ten years ago? Nothing was stopping you. Yeah, 
I guess. I mean, yeah, we just were always this Android thing, right? And then, like, when Apple finally adopted them for iOS, it was like, oh, hallelujah. Yeah. And then they made them look more aesthetic than Android ever did. Um, I do love some Apple widgets more than Android, even though I think Android widgets in general used to be more functional. I don't mm -hmm. know about now. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I mean, they, they just give you more info at a glance. I honestly think that that's the best thing about widgets and that's cool. the thing. I, I want honestly. I want to hear from people who are using their iPads in in ways mm. to do actual work. So we're the multitasking features and stage manager. Let us know. You know, podcastinggadget.com. Let us know if you're using your iPad more for in that vein. I actually just recently picked up uh, one of the newish, early last year's bigger 10.9 inch iPad. Uh, it was between that and an Air, but I wanted one that if my kids destroyed, I wouldn't feel as bad about. Uh, but I have that. I got the little Logitech keyboard for that. It is a together it is a nice little two pound machine for me to take anywhere and like do some typing if i need to uh and occasionally do some multitasking like it's still pretty fast for what it is are you using ipads at all for any computing stuff Sherlyn? not for any real computing i have an ipad just to test certain features um, across like fitness plus or health or that sort of thing um speaking of which i do want to shout out that ios 17 does have a bunch of new mental health related features like journaling i mean the journal app i don't think we got to really test that yet I yeah not yet beta just yet um but i am intrigued by some of them yeah I, i'm not a big like ipad user if it's not really an uh because I don't like it or anything. It's just I have so many other machines. You know what I mean? It's like I, I got a Mac. I got a Windows machine. I got all these things. I'm, I got a Kindle scribe that I really like to write on. I feel like a chance. mini, maybe an iPad mini would be a fun thing. Yeah. You don't have that form factor yet other than the Kindle, I guess. Uh, mm, right. And I have like now the Ioneo 2, which we talked about in the previous episode, which I really do like. So I don't know. It's, it's, I have only so much time in the oh, world, so time. Devendra. It's it's sort of, <laughs> um, especially with kids. So now like we have several iPads in our, in our house. Yeah. And my daughter has one, which she just uses to watch shows and stuff and stream shows. And we hook it up to the car seat and she can use that. But I got this newer one, which, which can play better games and is faster for things like Minecraft. Mm -hmm. She's getting into that now. Mm. My wife has one, which she just keeps uh, around her when she's watching stuff and dealing with the baby, too. So it is nice to, like, separate this computing and just have. A slightly bigger screen available to you so in that respect it's nice anything else you want to mention so so yeah i mean i'm, I'm also kind of looking at matt's um, ios 17 preview which is on engadget.com by the way and it, the one thing i forgot to mention is standby um which is the the lock screen interface that will show up and turn your iphone into kind of a smart display when you are charging it and have it placed horizontal um so it technically is supposed to work I think it took Matt till like very late in the game before it started showing up on his. So he he seems to like it. And you can see, again, widgets that we were talking about. You can see all standby widgets. widgets. All widgets all day. So it's a lot of interesting uh, uh, use cases for, for some of this. And if you're really wanting an Apple-branded smart display, which is not existent at the moment, and that's like the goal, like one feature that you really need in your life right now, and you have a stand that, or a charging stand for your iPhone. Just like put your iPhone you, on the side, leaning up against the book right. or something. Like, right. Don't, you don't need a stand. Yeah. You could do that. Yeah. Um, then, then yeah, maybe that alone could be made, uh, worth uh, getting the beta for, again, though. Get a wireless charging very... stand, too, and just lay it horizontal and still charge and get that view. I've tried it. But I've noticed I don't see like a digital clock widget. The only widget I see is the analog right. clock. I'm like, I am tired. My eyes are blurry. I'm not going to try to interpret clock hands right now. Just give me numbers, Apple. Make my life What? Easier. I love clock hands. What? 
Oh, I'm going to throw down. Clock I hands love are nice, clock but hands. if I'm blurry and just waking up, I'm looking at the clock like, uh, okay. should I be getting up now or should I go back to sleep? Uh, I want to look and see. I don't want to like figure out clock arms. So again, my my little, I'm using one of those Echo Dots with the LED clock and that mm. is still, hey, glanceable information, no goddamn widgets. You know, it's a useful widget. Yeah. Just time with numbers. That's all I need. I'm so... Uh, upset mm-hmm. i am the halo rise is going to be completely useless in a couple <laughs> weeks and i'm just so upset right now i'm still really i just mad at amazon for canceling support for that but okay anyway. that's it they pulled a google that's what we'll call it every they time did. they they, they pull complete <laughs> support for a product um so annoyed i'll talk about mac os real quick uh, because there's not much to say i've been working on the preview this week and it is really hard to write a lot about nothing and that that yep. is kind of what it feels like um that's our life it's it's real life because listen, uh, Apple cares about iOS. Apple cares about iPad OS and whatever the Vision Pro is, their whole spatial computing thing. I feel like the Mac is just like, well, it works. It's fine. We just gave you guys a whole new OS rebuilt for new chips a couple of years ago. What what else do you want, right? Um, I feel like they're deprioritizing Mac users, and you can really feel that. Uh, so it's fine. It's more Mac OS with all a lot of these features we're talking about here. So widgets. Widgets are everywhere. Widgets. You can drag a widget widgets. over from the notification thing to your desktop. Hooray. Great. You get uh, high-resolution aerial uh, screensavers. Mm. Uh, great. Okay. Sure. Apple TV nice. has had that Aesthetic. for almost a decade. Right. Like Apple TV 4K has been doing that forever. Not anything new. It just feels like the Mac is getting like the leftovers. Stage Manager last year was the same thing. They're getting the leftovers of all the innovation Apple's putting elsewhere. It's just uh, funny to see. Uh, one thing I'll call out, I do think the wallpaper, uh, the aerial screensavers are kind of cool because you can set one to also be your wallpaper. So like in your lock screen, you'll have a moving background. You could see like the beaches of Hawaii or something. And then when you log in, it slowly slows down and like settles into a static wallpaper. It's like, that's kind of a cool effect. Um, I do wonder if somebody's going to hack the ability just to keep that video playing in the background. Like give me a moving wallpaper. Uh, like yeah. I used to have in the Stardock days of Windows or something, you know. I just, I just think it's gonna be such a battery train, though, um, right? Like, I don't know. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe only activates when you when you actually are looking at your desktop too. It doesn't have to run when you're not looking at it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I'm, I'm just better. thinking. I'm sure somebody would want to hack that ability. And also, it is the year 2023. If you want me to get excited about screensavers, you know, make my make my wallpapers more futuristic or something. Just do something different here. Uh, watch OS. Anything else you want to mention, Trillin? Yeah, I'm still in the in the zone of there's, there's so much to check out. I think the big thing with watch OS is how everything's been really redesigned to make better use of space uh, on the screen. And I think I am finding it nice to I, I mean, who's spending that much time on their watch anyway? Right. But when you are like I am, sometimes I'm sitting there and like I don't want to be on my phone, but I do want to check out my fitness stats for the day. Uh, things like the fitness app, the workout apps, they all just have better um, presentation of your data now. There's obviously a, a bit of redesign in the navigation. So pressing the action button on the right edge doesn't just bring up the dock anymore or your open apps anymore. It now actually brings up your um, settings. Hmm. Uh, and then double clicking, double clicking the crown is what brings up your open apps. Excuse me, which is what it. It, it, it will take a little bit of getting used to, but I think it makes more sense because now, though, the swiping up from the home screen gestures, home screen, that's my life, home screaming, um, home screen, swiping up from your home screen now brings up the smart widget stack. I mean, that's my, that's what I'm saying, what I'm using for it. And the, the widgets here actually are just so much more helpful 
then any complication I've really used, unless I'm using the like modular pro screen, which use, lets you stick two sort of widget sized complications on the screen. Are you still using now you can... Apple Watch Pro, by mm -hmm. the way, the, the big boy or Ultra? Ultra? No, yeah. no, 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 okay. no, no, no. Um, I've been, I've been maining the Series 8, um, if only because the Ultra isn't really a good... It's um, too big, yeah. No, it's more that I want to get a sense of like the most commonly used Apple Watch for my testing in future. I still have an Ultra just for like, you know, you could just wear testing both. for the next time one. One on each other. I mean, if I really want to be dangerous and, and uh, you know, be an like offensive player. Whatever. It's like uh, modern Wonder Woman, just like an Apple Watch on each exactly. arm blocking. Oh my God. Blocking people. That's what my, <laughs> my, my Halloween costume is going to be this year. Um, I so no, I, but I do like the the way everything appears. Now you get much more information at one at a glance, and yeah, that's that's my main takeaway so far. I haven't really like formulated more of an idea. I did log my emotion one time <laughs> um, during this process. It's it's really interesting to see um, where Apple's headed with the watch product, uh, and also in combination with iOS. So we'll see. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Uh, did your Apple Watch just explode when you log your emotion? What happened? No, I was actually, it was a good mood. It was like, a, yeah. I am feeling pretty content pretty right good. now. And then, <laughs> and then that, that, and then everything went to shit. <laughs> so like, all right. <laughs> I almost wonder, because uh, when you're doing that, if your Apple Watch, uh, has, it has haptics, it has vibration. If, yeah. if it can sense you being a little down, can you, can it give you a little wrist hug? That'd be a little <laughs> like when it yeah when like when you can send a digital touch to yeah. your like friends yeah. like little, that sort of thing. Little wrist thing. tug. Oh my God. Yeah, maybe it's maybe totally totally doesn't actually we have the tech to do that. All you need is like a little like add haptics to the actual armbands, which that's tougher. Those aren't powered, but um, you know yeah, the future. Know to, yeah, it's the it's, future. We'll see. I'm trying to tell you, um, uh, my son Alexander, one of his favorite things is a squeeze hug, and now he has learned to do squeeze hugs. So when he wants to, he Aww. will just like squeeze me or my wife. So that's fun. Or his that's sister. That's so sweet. Now we that's need awesome. our gadgets to do that. That's that's my no, takeaway from all this. I don't want a robot hug, Dev. I don't know what you're talking about. You like that weird headless uh, plushy thing from CES? Remember the like the like huggy doll, which also was like the a Yuffie. Yeah. I didn't like it. Yeah, no, I'm sorry, not the Yuffie, the the full full of flu, mm -hmm. whatever it was. I don't want it. <laughs> Something I'm to give good, you a thanks. hug and a thing. One th quick thing I want to mention about macOS, by the way, there is a new presenter view that you can do in the video apps that are really cool. They showed this at the uh, at the right. demo. So when you're sharing your screen, you could say, "Hey, put a put a little video of me in a in a circle, like yes. Brady Bunch mode, uh, at the bottom, or you can make yourself big and at the front of it, and your screen is behind you." So you can, yes. you can like talk about things. So that's cool. I'm pretty sure iPadOS does that too. Uh, but uh, that's cool. I'm sure people will use that sometimes. It's sort of like if you're in a meeting and you have to share a spreadsheet and everyone's looking at the spreadsheet and it's just so boring and they can't really see what you're saying or like see you emoting. Like this is a way to kind of combine some of those things. So that's okay. Sure. That's a new thing in macOS. Uh, any major takeaways from these betas, Sherlyn? I am planning on breaking out a separate story and that's part mm -hmm. of why I've been so stressed this week because I have so many things to do. But I am, the irony is that I'm planning on breaking out a separate story on what these new um, software updates, the the sort of the mental health angle that Apple is taking with some of these, the journal app, the mental health, the logging your emotion. The, oh, I did also um, on Apple Health, I did the new um, anxiety risk and depression risk uh, questionnaires. Um, I have a friend who works in like clinical trials and stuff. So we were going over some of the questions and it's a pretty standard, like that's the industry standard, uh, questionnaire that they use too. So 
the fact that it's not just having them, but it's also kind of opening up awareness. It also allows for conversations around these sorts of topics and issues. I think it's worth looking at. Um, So I'm still formulating a thought there, but I think there's something here. But if you listening to this have, you know, experiences and and real opinions on what Apple's doing here on the mental health space, uh, you send us your thoughts, podcast at Engadget.com. That's super cool. Uh, I I could almost imagine a fun crossover that will, definitely never happen is sort of like uh working with the the folks behind the bear and just be like oh god oh every god. time you're in the kitchen everybody's screaming apple watch is flashing red stop slow down uh, it's like mm-hmm. i know it's like uh, they have uh, they should have like some sort of tie-in with netflix or the apple watch and netflix oh sorry hulu in this case uh as you're watching the bear if your heart rate rises while you're watching it they'll like buzz to tell you like hey hey it's just a show calm down oh positive because you watch it to get your heart racing yeah, yeah. but yeah. i can imagine uh, they do this uh this really the second season of the bear which i'm not sure if you'll ever watch or lynn but the second season is more about i think it's more focused on like okay yeah you are all super stressed and anxious how do we how do we like work with that how do we move on how do we you know uh help okay. our own you know help our own mental mental health basically and they do this thing which which is sort of um the deaf community uh the sign for saying i'm sorry mm. is sort of like a heart it's like rubbing putting a chest. fist and rubbing yeah. your chest and they just start doing that like okay they just blew up at, e- at each other 30 seconds later like okay i i fucked up you know like that that's on me it is a really cool way of checking emotions and i can almost imagine again like the Apple Watch hug, which will certainly happen someday. Um, I can imagine Apple kind of being like, hey, 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 kind of like alerting you out of something. So I don't know. I don't know what this could lead to. Let's talk about some other news. Um, some of the obvious stuff we have to hit. Uh, over the weekend, we've hit, we have been waiting for Meta's threads to hit 100 million users because it's been growing so quickly. I think it did that um, Monday morning. I believe it was the day, uh, July 11th. Yeah, it was mm. exactly. Yeah, Monday. that was Monday morning. I July was, like, 11th is, night, is but... a Tuesday, but I believe the story went up Monday morning from what I can see here. Um, but anyway, it was, it was less than a week. It was less than a week after this thing launched. I think the fastest growing app ever. Um, yep. Okay. Am I surprised? No. Are you surprised? I mean, uh, how, how has your been? How's your weekend been with Red Chilling? Because it, clearly it's got you. Um... So now that all that buzz and that constant buzzing of my phone has kind of died down and I've turned off kind of a lot of the notifications, I'm less like, you know, sucked back into it um, as I was at the start of it. It was really fun, right? Last week I was like, really? Wow, super into it. Now I think I treat threads the kind of the way I've been treating Twitter lately, which is to have a lot of distance from it. I, you know, I think I'm not as extroverted as I was before where like every little thought I had would go out there. Um... But Threads is still on my homepage, my first screen on my homepage. Oh, the coveted As opposed space, to Twitter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I even took Twitter, uh, I even took Instagram off of that. So like Threads has a better spot on my phone than than Instagram does. Um, I don't really know just yet. I think the engagements with people I have on there are still not where I want them to be. I think it's, it was it, the, some of the shine from it all being new and fancy has died, has worn off. I mean, there, there's so many, uh, I think the shine was all those notifications. Like once this thing launched, yeah. like, Hey, everyone's following you. I will <gasps> they say, like me. I will say, yeah, yeah. I will say I hit my thousand followers. I think something like last night or this morning. Uh-huh. <laughs> so yay. Uh, great. <laughs> it's, it's great. Um, 
I also want to point out, so, okay, 100 million users on threads. We still don't know, like, what that will mean ultimately, but clearly it's big. And I do think, like, yeah, this, I didn't have much faith in it, but I think it will stick around to some degree. Yeah. To some degree. Um, Meanwhile, Elon Musk's response to all this is basically having a complete meltdown. So just like. I'm shaking my head. Just shaking his head. I'm going to say some things right here. And uh, yes. I don't know, uh, hide, hide your children's ears, I guess. I don't know. Yes, cover uh, but your he, ears, But he did tweet, uh, Zuck is a cuck, which, the, again, the shitposting mind of a 10-year-old, that is what this the head of Twitter has right oh, now. it gets right worse, now. doesn't it? It gets worse. And then he, he proposed a literal dick measuring contest. Um, this is after, we didn't talk about this last week, but while I was on vacation, I also saw the news about, like, um, it seemed like that, a potential cage match between Elon Musk mm-hmm. and uh, Mark Zuckerberg w- was close to happening. And then Elon Musk's mother said, like, don't do that. Like, don't don't hurt my boy. I'd, it was a whole thing. Almost clear, like, it's not actually happening. But it seemed like everybody was game to do it. And again, one of those things where, like, man, we are, maybe our society should just crumble. Like, we are just at the precipice right now of uh, of civilization, apparently. But anyway... That is what maybe, that is how Elon Musk maybe, is handling all this. Yeah. Maybe his mom should talk to him and be like, calm down, child. Like what? I mean, she created this monster, so I don't yeah. I don't don't think that's gonna well, happen. Who knows? Yeah, who I knows? know. I'm just like, all right, all right. That's the whole thing. Uh in other other news, um Chinese hackers raided US government email accounts by exploiting a Microsoft cloud bug. Microsoft confirmed this yesterday. Um, the hacking group, I'm reading from TechCrunch here, the hacking group tracked as Storm0558, compromised approximately 25 email accounts, including government agencies, as well as con- related consumer accounts, linked into individuals associated with these organizations, according to Microsoft. So that's a pretty big deal. Um, this is also, if you look at our history uh, of stories around Microsoft and security and gadget, you'll see a lot of these hacks are very common. Uh, in this case, I believe the government agencies alerted Microsoft to this happening. So this is a particularly bad one because it happened over Microsoft uh, 365 and they were just like caught completely flat footed. Like they did not even know that this was happening. So bad news for Microsoft. Um, and yeah. yeah, not a good week for Microsoft. Not a great week for Microsoft. Also not a great week for Microsoft because apparently Google's barred AI <laughs> chatbot has learned to talk, according to Andrew uh-huh. Tarantola. So it understands 40 languages. It can speak responses. Uh, you could also drop images in um, to give it information when you were talking to it. Uh, what do you What do you think? Because that's one thing we can't do yet with with uh, Bing AI and uh, ChatGPT. Sherlyn is like actually talk to it. Would you use an AI right. more if you could? I mean, that's kind of where it's been headed, right? With Google, especially Google's got this great speech recognition. It's uh, uh, experience it's got assistant in all kinds of freestanding devices it's got the 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 not just speech recognition but also like speech output right i mean the fact that assistant was able to make its own phone calls to restaurants with duplex and talk to them and mimic pauses mimic sounds of hesitation in those calls that's what blew our minds remember um Uh have you actually used that feature by the way sherlyn duplex yes many times um i was working on a big story around it and then got scooped by the verge so thank you a lot verge go away um um, no i have used duplex duplex is uh not actively i think being used by a lot of people but google uses it to update like restaurant information on maps to make sure that maps info about opening hours or like 
I don't know what types of uh, accessible entrances or type, types of credit cards accept it, whatever, right? It, it uses duplex to get the information and update its software, uh, update its, its knowledge graph. Is it, so, are, are the restaurants just being called by duplex? And then yeah. like people respond and it just, that's yeah. weird. Yeah. It is kind of weird. weird. I don't think they, that's, but here's the thing. I don't think that they are either aware or they're yeah. always responding the right way. Yeah. Like, yeah, you yeah. know, so, so it's as once it works and you will see, right? I'm sure you've seen this before where if you like look at your maps thing and you see the opening hours of a restaurant, it goes uh, last confirmed by phone call right. on, you know, last nine weeks ago. Yep. That's what's happening. That's what's. It's, it's almost it's I, I i don't know the actual mix of how much of it is automated and how much of it is what but you know i know google is listening to this we could do a story Google's hey hit me up let's talk about yeah google's <laughs> listening to everything um have you ever actually used the rest the reservation booking yes i thing? have yes i have did it work yes. <laughs> yes it did um you just have to be very uh explicit with it uh-huh. um it does ask you a few questions yeah. right so basically yeah, yeah. you can go to duplex and like this is a f- fully like digital interface you're not calling or talking to anyone you're typing things um and it'll ask you for how many people for what time if this time's not available what other times do you want um and then it'll do the calling for you and be like okay we'll have an answer for you in like an hour or so and if it makes the reservation if it's able to and i was able to one time i think this was for um the bow by the way at uh, st mark's place yep um it made a reservation for something like eight to 10 people. And that was great. Everything worked, right? Like it was like, okay, cool. And then it gives me a Google calendar um, confirmation and all that stuff. Show up to the restaurant. It was like, they were like, oh, we don't have your reservation. <laughs> so that was not great. So it didn't work. Um, the sad thing is that like, I think what happened was like uh-huh. the person who, who received the call and was like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah and sure. then like says a com- com- confirm, right. Just was like, oh, that sounded fake. I didn't do it. You know what I mean? Like I, that's, this is what this, I'm like, saying. So this is a whole tangent know, on this I stuff, know. but I'm like, I have been hesitant to use this feature because I feel bad for the restaurants. Nobody likes oh, yeah. getting a robocall. If I hear a robocall marketer calling me at home, instant hang up. Um, it seems like a weird thing to push on everybody. But anyway, this is all they Google has been doing good stuff around this. I just feel weird because just make a make a phone call. I know millennials. I know it's hard, but you know, I, I we get to talk I, to humans. I think that's all we, we we are all we have. These Google bards yeah. will not save us. You know, can't even make so, a reservation. So what I think. Is that this? That's why Duplex has been repurposed, kind of, okay. to do this other thing that okay. is doing in the background, which is to update all the information. Because I think the the restaurant reservation thing just didn't really take off. I think a people didn't really know or trust that it would work, and rightly so. And then b like yeah, restaurants maybe didn't, you know, get on board. I, I am totally <laughs> sympathetic to the answer. restaurants being like, oh, are you are you a human or are you a freaking Google robot trying to you know deal deal with me right now and just hang up. I'm trying to find I'm trying to find like other reservations I made. Yeah, so okay, so this thing says your Google Assistant reservation, restaurant reservation uh-huh. at. Okay, so let me see. Uh that's so so this is the interface I have. Um April 17, 2019, I made a reservation through Google Assistant at the Bow. Um for eight people, 8 30 p.m. It says, Hi Sherlyn, I'll try calling the business now to request your reservation and we'll update you in the next 15 minutes. And this is all in my inbox. It goes, confirmed, your reservation's confirmed for blah blah blah. Reservation num reservations under my name and my phone number. Uh-huh. And then, yeah, I remember showing up and just not. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad I asked about this, uh, about Google's voice expertise, because just having the technology isn't enough. But okay, anything else you want to mention about Google Bard learning how to talk, Sherlyn? 
not not much okay. we'll see oh uh i have i'm looking at my inbox to see what else i tried april 2nd i tried reserve with google uh for a place called tipsy shanghai and the reservation was never made apparently yeah i never got a confirmation that the reservation ever got successfully confirmed i just got the assistant is you know working on your request for tipsy shanghai great uh-huh uh-huh a uh, thirty-second call would have been would it would have probably worked for you too. So it's, it's the whole thing. Yeah. Plus, I, I speak Chinese, yeah. so it's really easier for me when I call a Chinese restaurant. It'll be anyway. easier for you. Um, yeah. Listen, bring back phone calls. I know it's cringe, millennials, but no. make it make it happen. Just make it talk to people. Uh, we have a couple of fun stories. Uh, we reported on this thing. Chipotle is testing a guacamole robot uh, c- called the Avocado. It is a you dump. <laughs> You dump the avocados at the top, and it does all the peeling and the coring. It splits it, and uh, I don't know how much of the work it's actually doing to make guacamole, uh, but it seems like a, a bunch of it. Um, yeah, yeah. I think it's just coring and peeling. I'm it's not just sure coring and peeling. Like it doesn't smashing do and smashing. But that's yeah. <laughs> honestly, that is that is the part that takes forever because it's not that yes, hard to smash. Exactly. The rest of the part's fun, mm-hmm. actually. Yeah. So a typical batch of guacamole at Chipotle takes fifty minutes to to make. Uh, this should significantly make that smaller. They're testing this in California. Um, I just think our title kind of perfectly encapsulated it. Um, Chipotle's guacamole robots cursed to peel and core avocados for eternity. That is the Rick and Morty joke about, you know, so what good, is my so purpose? To, you just slice the butter, man. That's that's it. That's yes. why you exist. Um, that's cool. I love avocados. I hate uh, peeling and getting them out because I have to do that often for the kids. Uh, give me an avocado. Well, give me also uh, an auto mango, please, because uh, I found some really delicious mangoes near me and uh, in a store near me. And having to peel, cut, whatever the fuck. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, having to cut them up and, and see, remove the pit. I mean, it's just so annoying. Sherlyn, you're talking to me like a civilized person. The only way to eat a mango properly is to grab a mango, go to the sink and eat it like a goddamn animal. Just like tear Savage. it open with your feet, with your teeth, and just like, nom, 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 nom. oh my god, <laughs> go straight to the straight the to the skin. seed. Yeah, all yeah, no, you peel the you bite the skin off. Yeah, you peel it. You peel okay, it. Yeah. You peel it. But you just go straight. To, you don't need to cut it. Who are you? Who are you, who are you trying to impress no. with your mango slices? I cube it. I cube it. Who That's the way impressing? my mom did it for me. Yeah, uh, me. Okay. <laughs> I love getting a batch of mangoes and just like going ham at the sink. That's the only way to go because I'm spending my life cutting things for the kids. It's I'm done. I'm tired. Also, fun news. Uh, researchers find evidence of organic matter on Mars. Uh, this was a story. Basically, they're organic molecules they discovered in one region, which is cool. I still feel like we're waiting for that micro, you know, early life. What's up? No, and it's also unclear yet, like, the origin of that organic matter, right? Like, whether it was, like, from Mars or whether it was, like, ta- brought there from other I mean, things not or, brought there. It just ends there. Like, space stuff moves. Like, or, yeah. It, yeah. It gets uh, a meteorite or asteroid hits and stuff gets moved around. Right. Um, this is cool news. I think the cooler space news. Did you see the thing about... Um, <laughs> Basically, the planet that is really close to its sun that is basically a giant mirror because it has clouds made of metal. <laughs> oh, wow. Just like no, I didn't wild. Know that. It, like, but that's the only way to survive being close to your sun, a, right? It's like, also re- it was like a hot Jupiter, like a big gas so cool. giant, but also really close to the sun. It's just imagine seeing that. Uh, that is a cool yeah. like thing. I used to I used to enjoy just watching um, reading astronomy books and imagining what future, you know, what things look like far off. But anyway. Organic matter mm-hmm. on Mars. Maybe we will learn more. I'm hoping we do. 
Let's talk about some things around Engadget. Um, Sam Rutherford reviewed the Asus ROG Ally, the thing we have been, all been waiting for. It's Asus's more powerful Steam Deck competitor. Yeah. Gave it a score of 82. He really likes it uh, with a couple of trade-offs. For what it's worth, that's one point higher than the Steam Deck The uh, when Jess reviewed mm. it. So, okay. um, I, I, so I edited this piece. Sam's main thing is that like, yeah, I mean, sometimes the uh, some some so the performance Asus obviously boasted double the performance of the Steam it's Deck, fast, and yeah. you know it doesn't quite meet that, but it is significantly faster because of the um, AMD Z1 Extreme um, chip that's in there. Uh, the ROG Ally also has a better screen; it's got like good sound, but more importantly, it doesn't constantly whine. The fans are not just constantly blaring in the background, which is nice. Oh, I had. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I've been talking with what? Sam about this because I've been reading coverage elsewhere and listening to people talk about this. From what I hear, it should be blowing those fans more often because it gets so right. hot. It hot. is hot. Yeah. It is hard to touch the back of this thing for some people. Yeah. Um, yeah. Apparently, no, I'm not surprised. the build quality is all over the place. Sam did not see this issue, but I believe uh, Jeff Gersman over his podcast mentioned when it overheats, um, the SD card just pops out. It's like Oof. it's like poops out because because it's <laughs> is it so, using the slot as a vent? <laughs> I don't. It's, well, the heat needs to escape somehow. But you know the metal is like you know expanding. Yeah. Like and oh. if your game is running off that SD card, like you're just screwed. Like and you didn't yeah, save, you're terrible. just hosed. Uh, it sounds like I think a lot of people are suggesting you wait for a second gen for Asus to iron yep. some of this stuff out. Yeah. It's also worth noting the ROG Ally, just the battery life is definitely not as long as the Steam Deck. I mean, given the sort of heat mm -hmm. issues and the mm -hmm. fact that the performance is so much higher, that kind of makes sense. Um, so I would say the two are are almost neck and neck in terms of performance. Um, the ROG Ally also costs a shit ton more money. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's like what seven hundred dollars um, with the highest spec Steam Deck only six fifty. And also the uh, Steam Deck is going on sale more often. It was twenty percent mm -hmm. off recently, so you could get that high end version for under five hundred. I still love my Steam Deck. I still tell people like if you are into these things and you don't want to wait for this whole field to settle down, the Steam Deck is still a good deal. Um, and don't forget, folks, the RG Ally also runs Windows. And when we say it runs Windows, yes, it runs Windows. It sucks. It runs full <laughs> it sucks. Windows. You are you are bouncing around windows 11 it, with a joystick and game pads and stuff uh you can do what i showed trillin and turn on steam at big picture mode but again you have to launch steam you have to do a lot of windows stuff until you get there and even then it's yeah. not a perfect solution i think so the steam deck uses valve's um steam os which is better built for machines like this and windows just is not great and also i mean somewhat related is that the rg ally doesn't have the touchpad that the steam os a uh, steam deck does which is good for, so RTS for keyboard and mouse games yeah Right, exactly. So like that excludes those games from being played and also like it does just make supposedly makes Windows 11 a little bit easier to navigate but you don't have that on the ROG You can use Ally, them as so, uh, no. mouse track pads, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But then you don't have that on the ROG Ally. <laughs> I don't. Like, All right, mm. screw you. Uh one thing I would recommend if you guys want to check this out, apparently Best Buy is selling these things and I will give you all my my greatest pro tip for Best Buy. Uh it's no questions asked returns, folks. So if you just want to take a look at the hardware and put it through its paces and like, I think you have two weeks typically, but I think for the, mm -hmm. during the pandemic, they even extended that. Uh, but yeah, just mm. try it for a week. And if it does not work for you, or if you notice these issues, return it. It doesn't, doesn't hurt anybody. It's totally fine. Also want to shout out the piece uh, by Katie, um, yep. Katie Malone. Our new security reporter. Yeah. What the hell are pass keys and why are they suddenly everywhere? This is a very good question. 
I'm glad she asked it and answered it in this piece. So go check that out. Let's move on to what we're working on. Um, I just, uh, I'll talk about this soon, but I just saw Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. I'm working on a piece around that. And I'm juggling I a bunch skipped of the screening for that, by the way. I was like, I had an invite to go watch that. And I was like, oh, I have I so t- much work this I week. So this is supposed to be earlier gone, this week. Um, but, okay. You did, but I, this is, this is, this this is was right it's when Apple week. was like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you got to work <laughs> on all your previews now. Thank you, Apple. Uh, yeah. Do you have anything else you're working on you want to bring up, Sherlyn? Oh, uh, the watch OSPs, uh, editing the RG Ally. We had back to school stuff to still work on. I have Samsung coming up. And this week, I took a secret meeting that I am not allowed to tell anybody about, me and Sam. Okay. But it is about a very anticipated product that will be coming out at some point this year. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And uh, just uh, just a guess. <laughs> That's all I guess. A guess who I saw. Anyway, it was important enough uh-huh. that I took time out of this week to go and talk to okay. these people about it. So, um, yeah, stuff is happening, uh, and I... We'll just say that whatever you expect might be true is true. <laughs> okay. I, 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 I have absolutely so. no idea what you're even talking about at this point. It's, Good. It's gotten so complicated. I need to cover my butt. Let's move on to our pop culture picks for the week. Anything you want to shout out? Or have you just been so busy? Uh, yeah, I'm like, what am I? What am I do? I recommend a massage. All right, like that's that uh, good. you know, I want I want a massage. I would love a massage. <laughs> I know to say. Uh, just yes. don't book it via Google Reserve, apparently. Google oh, my God. Because it seems like that would go badly. Uh, I did. Uh, I saw Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Uh, I loved it. I loved the series. I, was, I already wrote about the 4K Blu-rays when those came out. But I, this one, uh, not to spoil too much, this one is about AI. And actually, it's kind Ooh. of funny. Um, oh, I wish I had seen it now. Basically, Sorry. the plot of Mrs. Davis is is this Mission Impossible. I did not expect to see that, but I love the series so much. Uh, say what you will about Tom Cruise, but he is somebody who's at least very committed um, to making good movies and, you know, doing as much as he can himself. And these movies, especially the Christopher McQuarrie Mission Impossibles, are just so well made. Like, the action is so good. Like, the chases are so good. And it's Tom Cruise himself doing most of this stuff. And the set pieces are so smart and they're so intricate and I love the characters. So I love these, the series of films, but in particular Macquarie's uh, version. So if you have not seen Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, Shirlin, I would maybe start there. Also Ghost Protocol is a fun one because it has the Dubai sequence. Um, it's a great series. It is, I think, um, especially after rewatching a bunch of them, I think it's the best action franchise we have right now. And I'm saying okay. even better than John Wick. And I love John Wick. So I mean, yeah. this is the thing everybody should be watching and praising because I think the MCU movies have just like broken our brains a little bit. You know, I like those movies just fine, but the artifice of them and the sort of like uh, cookie cutter nature. Over CGI. Over CGI, right. the cookie cutter nature of so many of them, the fact that they all have to lead into each other. It just kind of, it just give me, tell me a good story. Show me like cool people doing, you know, impossible things. Um, and this series certainly does that. See Mission Impossible on the biggest screen you can. And I'll be working on something hopefully to go up this week or early next week. And uh, I don't know, um, games. Uh, I, I forget if I mentioned this last week, but Dave the Diver. I'm spending a lot of time on that on my Steam Deck. It is a great chill game where you go fishing and do 
do deep sea fishing, run a sushi restaurant at night, and it also escalates what? over time where... Oh my god, that's awesome! It's, it's a lot of things you like, Shalene, but it also escalates to a point where uh, you find an underwater civilization, and uh, you have to fight pirates, and like it escalates like what what the systems of the game are to the point Dave where... Dave the Diver? Dave the Diver. At one point, you fight a giant squid. You know, like, it's just... It is so fun and so cool and chill. Is it on Steam? It's on Steam. It's not very expensive. It is very... Can you hear the fans of this dumbass Ioneo 2 coming on? I cannot hear the fans, but fans are good. Fans means less heat. I know. So I I never complain about fans. but it's so loud. It's very loud. Uh, You know what's great? It are headphones. Just plug those in. Play your games. It's great. Yeah, but it's still loud. It's still loud. Anyway. Dave the Diver, I am I'm just it it is nice to have a game, a break from like Zelda, where I feel like I love Zelda. But every time I'm there, I'm like, okay, I gotta I gotta do stuff. I'm accomplishing things. I gotta go find a new shrine. I'm dealing with the story. Ooh, it's, it's on sale? It's on the front page yeah, of sa- uh yeah. I think it just and it's on sale for ten percent off. It. Buy it right now. Um I think it just hit a sales milestone. Um I think it's from a Korean or Japanese developer. Uh but it's, it's the art is so good, the music is so good. It's really fun and quirky, and it is a great break if you just want to like chill. If you want to chill, do some fishing, run a little restaurant at night, uh, hire employees. Um, <laughs> I like all these things. Eccentric, mm-hmm. eccentric characters with a lighthearted narrative. This this yeah. this animation is funny. It's really okay, cute. And it has great right. great pixel That's art. Good. And all really all you need to sell me is great pixel art. So anyway, Dave the Diver, check it out, folks. Definitely worth it, especially if you have a Steam Deck. Uh, I'm sure this is a perfect Switch game, so maybe eventually it'll head over there. I haven't heard about that release. Well, that's it for our episode this week, everyone. Thank you, as always, for listening. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. Our outro music is by our very own Terrence O'Brien. The podcast is produced by Ben Elman. You can find Davindra online at at Davindra at Mastodon.social. I'm also at Davindra on Blue Sky. I am on threads, but I am not checking threads, so I'm sorry. That's the one I'm, I just will not live with. Find me on Mastodon. I'm trying to like get my thoughts out there. Yeah. Send me your best and favorite, I guess, handheld PC game ideas. I am at Sherlin Low still on Twitter. I occasionally check that, I guess. I am at Sherlin Instagram on threads and Instagram. Email us your thoughts and, you know, whether you want the live streams back, uh, send them to podcast.engage.com. Leave us a review, please, on iTunes and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. The swiping up from the home screen gestures, home screen, that's my life, home screaming.